0: I'm at Abby's house today. Where's Abby? She just left for work. I folded her up a nice brown sack lunch and that sounds like I took a
1: shit in a bag. (laughs) That's exactly what it sounded like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sent her off to work. No, I don't have any um electricity at my house because they're still working on shit, so I don't have any internet. Yeah, I'm supposed to be able to move back in this weekend. But you know, I was setting shit up in here in abby's craft room thing that she's got Mm -hmm. and i was putting the blinds down and abby walked in and she was like hey you know and i was like "Ah!" and i start and and i like choked on a piece of pita bread and i can't stop choking on it a little bit so i'm gonna try to get rid of that (laughs) but i was like panic breathing and hacking and she's like you are such an old white lady (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to SVU Pod, Especially Heinous. I'm Tasha.
1: And I'm Gabe.
0: Woo! We're on Woo! season three, episode two, Wrath.
1: Wrath. I
0: don't know why I can't say a fucking title normal. Wrath. Wrath. <laughs> Strapping, folks, get ready for the Wrath. No, this is a fucked up episode, so I'm It really is, gonna...
1: yeah. Yeah, I like how I just, my notes is like, a trunk opens up and there's a dad body in it.
0: Oh my God. <laughs>
1: I didn't even notice that till now.
0: When I got your notes, I was like, I was waiting for the trunk to open and for it to be like a dude wearing white calf socks and a braided belt. And I'm just like, oh, no, that's a typo.
1: All right. So uh, opening scene, um, a trunk opens and there's a dead body in it, like right off the bat. And then it kind of pans out a little bit. And there's two dudes. It's these two scientist dudes. They're on one of those like learning sites where they have dead bodies in different situations. And they're taking notes and like researching decomposition and stuff,
0: which I didn't know was a thing, but it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. They're
1: called like body farms or something like that. Or I They don't kept know.
0: saying body farm and I'm like, Glug. yeah. <laughs>
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So there's like dead bodies all around in like different situations. Um and like they have to learn the
0: forensics of it, you know, like they have to study the yeah. forensics of it.
1: They're going over to another scenario and one of the dudes trips over like these three dead bodies all zip tied together and the dude's like, Who put these on the trail? The guy's like, These aren't these aren't ours and he's like, Fucking call the police.
0: And when okay? the one guy Tells the other one to call the police. I watched this like four times and I laughed. Where he so ran hard. away in his like puffy <laughs> shoes.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, he ran away.
0: In his little plastic booties. But the way he yeah. ran was like really like um
1: full house DJ Tanner. I'm never
0: coming out of my yeah. room. Like
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I laughed at that part too. <laughs> <laughs> I love and that. And I was like, I almost put that in, and then I was like, this is like a really fucked up part because there's like all these dead bodies, and he's like, he's just like he's got his clipboard, and he's like. Just like the way he ran off (laughs) So Homicide shows up And they're just like trampling all over Their fucking body farm place And Mm. special agent in charge Rod Franklin apologizes to the scientist Then fucking Stabler shows up the three victims one being a hispanic female that was a rape victim that svu previously had as a case another victim is a white male who is the father of a rape victim that this is another case that they had both rape cases were benson's and then the other victim is a young black minor so this uh, special agent franklin wants stabler to be the liaison in the case and he also wants everyone to do a briefing
0: now we're at the precinct and benson's pissed that she wasn't called mm-hmm. in since the three victims were her cases and she's telling Stabler this she's like this isn't our case it's my case I'm lead detective on this and Stabler's like okay like she's overreacting the way he responded to her I hated him for a second and I'm going to tell you right now I need to tell you from the top so that you're not mad at me this whole time I was not a fan of Stabler through the
1: majority of this episode
0: the way he was so dismissive of Olivia
1: Mm -hmm. mm -mm. yeah when he said Okay, he like did that kind of side eye thing where guy, guys doing and they're like, you're being crazy, a crazy woman. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, OK.
0: Oh, I have to treat you like this or they're going to kick me out of the boys club and I won't be able to helicopter my dick in the gym locker room or whatever. <laughs> We're in the squad room. Benson's. Going over everything. The first victim, she points out, is the white male. His name's Peter Cordell. Benson met him in '93 when his daughter Tina was raped and murdered. She stood by mm-hmm. him super hard, like she always does, and went with him to court and was with him every step of the way. Mm-hmm. The perp Victor Clausen was acquitted due to lab mix-ups and contaminated DNA. And Stabler jumps in and goes, "Pioneer days of DNA." There was nothing you could do about it. And I hated him for that. Oh, I hated him so much. (laughs) He's not wrong about it either. And I'm just like, fuck you, Stabes. Don't dismiss (laughs) this bullshit. Right. So the next victim is the Hispanic woman named Carmela Barantes. She was raped and beaten by a gang member named Hector Rodriguez. And he's currently in Sing Sing. So the big factor here is there doesn't seem to be a relationship between the two victims Mm -hmm. other than benson olivia had worked with both yeah. of them the third victim the young black minor is named clayton derricks and he was physically abused by his dad bruce when clayton was put in a group home he was raped by an older boy so then clayton Ugh. was put in foster care and benson goes i cannot tell you what it took to get this boy to trust me. Yeah, The foster mother had filed a missing person yesterday for him. All three victims were pumped full of sedatives and potassium chloride. Munch says that the ME said the death was painless. And Toots is like, like that makes a difference. And I love the sprinklings of Toots's big heart. Mm -hmm. He's always jumping in and advocating. Reminder, guys, like you can tell that he hasn't been doing this job very long because he's not hardened to it yet. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Remember, guys, this isn't just a job. This matters. You know? Right. Craigan wants the families interviewed. And he's like, let's find a connection other than Benson. And the camera zooms Mm -hmm. in on Benson, all zoned out. She's like, what's happening?
1: Oh, my God. It's just like, what do you mean other than Benson? Like, that's a huge connection to be made. Mm -hmm. So now we're uh, at the home of Adam Cordell. Benson and Stabler ask him if he knows if his dad, Peter one of the victims, knew the other two victims, Clayton or Carmella. Adam says his dad never mentioned those names to him. He's mad and, and thinks that it's Victor Clausen. That's the guy who raped and murdered his sister. Victor Clausen is out free laying carpet in Queens. He has like a wife and his wife is pregnant. And Adam's like pissed because he's like, my fucking sister's dead. My dad's dead. And this guy is just running around. It was probably him yeah so now we're in queens benson stabler roll up on victor clausen he's at a home with carpet he's just like pulling out all these carpets
0: this guy is really into late 70s john travolta yeah i googled when grease came out so i could make that joke (laughs) sorry i don't have any information about that oh my god alexa shut up oh because i said google
1: they must call their
0: alexa google
1: oh they might have a hey google yeah Uh, Instead of Alexa. They must call their Alexa Google. (laughs) It's like a whole, a completely different company. (laughs) Is it? Oh, duh. Yeah. Oh, my God. I am in my 30s. (laughs) Yeah, so... He like Claussen does not want to talk To fucking Stabler and Benson at all He's just like Fuck off Everybody fuck off I fucking Was acquitted Leave me alone I got carpet to take out Of this van Stabler threatens to talk To his wife If he doesn't tell them Where he was The last few days Benson's like Dude fucking Peter Cordell Is dead And he's like I don't give a shit Just yeah. leave me alone Good I'm glad he's dead no- Nobody's bothering me anymore And then Benson Kind of gets in his face A little bit Well not really She just stands in front of him And was like Dude what is going on He fucking said he fucking says mm. tina had a smart mouth too got her in a lot of trouble yeah <laughs> i just was like i can't because he like he killed tina yeah and he got off on it because his dna shit and he fucking yeah and she was like that sounds like a threat
0: stabes is behind this guy just like waiting for a reason too
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and he fucking stabler grabs him and slams his ass up against a van door not his own ass but like the victor guys yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: And this guy too, he's like, What are you arresting me for? And Stabler's like, obstruction, resisting. It's a long way to the station house. I can think of a million things by the time we get there. I am not here for this narrative.
1: Yeah, I don't like that shit.
0: I feel like me to stabes this episode is like you to munch always.
1: Really? I'm I don't know I'm feeling I've, a way
0: about Stabler right now. My munch shit is is pretty visceral. That's
1: true. I'm gonna get over this like the next time I see Stabes at home with his kids, so Yeah. So dude says, he says two nights ago he was at home with his wife and the other night they were at Lama's class and his wife has the number just to call.
0: And he's like, we done. Stabes slams him against the van, gives him like a mafia boss light slap on the cheek and goes, now we're done. And leaves. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah,
1: it was hot. What? was hot
0: oh my god Sorry. that was j- oh my god i mean
1: gabe what don't no don't don't me i was just listening to the episode of that fucking Tekashi six nine thing so don't
0: <laughs> that was
1: early last season and i am a different person <laughs> i like blacked out for a week yeah i mean that happened that's happened to me with the channing tatum and so. channing
0: tatum's a different story Channing Tatum is like that's okay.
1: <laughs> Munch and Toots are at Mrs. Harding's
0: foster home. Bitch, this is Pootie Tang's mom. Oh no way! She's also Mama Ronzoni in Grown Ups and Grown Ups too.
1: She I've plays like somebody's grandma. But yeah, this is Pootie Tang's mom. Hmm. So there's okay. like a bunch of kids running around. I liked her a lot. She thought that she was really oh, yeah. sweet. And yeah. So she says that Clayton was with her for three months and that he was a pretty stable kid considering what he had been through. Clayton always had supervised visits with his dad. They were usually supervised by Benson. So that's her like connection with this kid. Mm-hmm. Clayton ran away a few times But they always found him in the Bronx At his old group home Where his close friend still lives So she had called there first Before she called the police To file the missing persons report But Clayton's friend said he hadn't seen him So Clayton's friend's name is Michael Washington So now we're at Clayton's old group home in the Bronx Munch and Toons are talking to the, like this director guy mm-hmm. He says that Clayton and Michael Had bonded over having abusive fathers Ugh. And Michael, yeah, I you know um, And Michael, I can't even imagine What those fucking kids go through I know. When Clayton was attacked by that older kid and raped Michael had tried to like kick the guy's ass yeah and then after that they were thick as thieves so Clayton's rapist is now in juvie and I'm so glad they fucking tied that up for me because I was like who's this kid is he raping other kids what's going on so this director guy introduces Munch and Toots to Michael who is fucking adorable he's sitting on the top of a bunk bed and he's just so cute
0: he's so monotone and seems down and just like he plays this perfectly and
1: it Mm -hmm. just breaks my heart I know all the stuff that they have to go through at such a young age it's like you should be riding your bmx bike with your best friend on the pegs okay
0: oh Oh, you're gonna
1: hate me when we get to this chaser okay hold on so um hold on don't do the chaser yet (laughs) why did i say that (laughs) so i love this because michael was like i want to see your badges and i was like that's awesome good boy like yeah always ask for badges so he says that he actually did see clayton yesterday he like lied about not seeing him mm-hmm. um clayton was all excited because he got a letter saying he won a computer michael felt like it was a scam but like gave him 20, the 22 bucks he had for a cab to the place to get the computer
0: yeah he goes you'd never get something for nothing
1: right but he wanted to help out his friend the cab company was called starling car service and clayton took the letter with him
0: now benson and stabler are at the barante's residence Carmella's mom was saying that Carmella didn't go out after the rape and lost touch with all of her friends. This lady was an amazing actor. And she also said that Carmella was getting stronger with the help of a counselor. She was going back to school and she even won a computer. What? What? When she went to get it, she took the letter with her. Carmella's mom thanks Benson for helping her daughter after her rape. Just, Just this beautiful, heartfelt thank you. Yeah. Just painting the picture of Olivia's... Bond with these victims and, like tangentially, their families. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the squad room. Stabler tells Kragen that it doesn't seem like the three victims knew each other, and they still haven't found Clayton's dad. Toots tells them that Peter Cordell also got a letter saying he won a computer, just like Carmela and Clayton did.
1: What the fuck?
0: Munch gets off the phone with Starling Cab service. A kid matching Clayton's description was dropped off in Chelsea. Benson and Stabler are on their way there, and Craigen is getting a search warrant. ASAP. Hmm. So the whole gang's doing a walk and talk up to this rented office space. They're with the landlord of Chelsea Place. This guy is telling them that the tenant's name was Billy Asanaban from out of town and he'd never met him before. He's like, the guy paid six months in advance and had me leave the key above the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this place is like a warehouse or something. It's kind of like a, it's like a big building and the guy is the landlord and he rents out these spaces for office, like office suites. Yeah. The landlord opens the door to this office with a frosted glass window, like an old detective frosted glass window that mm-hmm. says Avilo Promotions on it. And I immediately was like... That's Olivia Backwards. Oh okay. really? I
1: didn't catch it at all. Olivia.
0: Olivia Billy Asanaben had told the landlord he designs promotional literature. Like the stuff that you throw away that comes in the mail. Yeah. The number to the uh, the number the
1: landlord has for him has been disconnected. What, what do you what? I just hate that shit. I fucking hate junk mail in my mailbox. It fucking pisses me off. I know I know it's not an appropriate level of anger to have for something like that, but it's such a fucking waste. I refuse to take it out every day. I will pull out letters. (laughs) okay, and then like once a week or once until it gets too full, once a week, we'll go just grab it all and toss it in the recycling bin. Beep, i beep I just can't
0: beep, beep, beep. hot take Gabe hates junk mail <laughs> beep, beep. i know right
1: it's just it just drives me fucking it's just like this little thing that just i'm like why are you giving me stuff to throw away i know mitch hedberg send it in my in a fucking email and yeah. have it right, go right to the junk mail like see i let my emails pile up let me see let me see what do i have right
0: now what's the number of emails and i just cleared it out 732 unread emails
1: don't email How do me cuz I'm not gonna see it. How do you fucking do that?
0: I because it's it's one of those things that I procrastinate on. Okay, let's keep moving on this. The number that the landlord has for Vilja Sonobin has been disconnected. In the drawer of the desk of this office, Benson finds three letters congratulating a winner of a computer. There's also a drinking glass. So they're assuming mm-hmm. when the victims bring the letter, they have a drink with the tenant and that's how they get the drugs in them. Like it's Valium mm-hmm. or some shit. Yeah. All the detectives are actively ignoring the landlord, who's of course worried about himself in the most annoying, whiny way. He's like, crime scene? I'm not responsible for what my tenants yeah. do in their rentals. It's like nobody's talking to you. Shut up. No, no, they're completely like this has nothing to do with you and nobody's going to blame you. So Olivia Pye faces the guy and walks over to the entry door again. She closes mm. the door and she's like, A-V-L-O is <laughs>
1: Olivia spelled backwards. Yeah, yeah and, and everybody was like, whoa. And then they they played this like super creepy music that I had never heard them try and do before. I
0: always try to like type out the letters so that I can repeat the sound, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just typed and I don't think that's how it sounded.
1: (laughs) No, it didn't sound like that. Um, it did. That was (laughs) so terrifying. That sounds like the background music for like Fern Gully or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was like horror movie, thriller, mind fucky music.
0: If that's the music you heard, it's perfectly placed because, oh, my God. Olivia backwards Mm -hmm. we're scared we're all scared now
1: what's happening Mm -hmm. yep okay so now we're in the squad room Huang's got everyone's attention and doing a profile of the killer he thinks it's about revenge like on Benson because it's it's like there's a different race different age different genders The, the real target is actually Benson that's it and I agree (laughs) <laughs> i agree he drove this fucking guy drove 90 miles to jump the bodies in that cadaver research place because it's a government-funded facility and it's guaranteed national attention mm. which i was like whoa look yeah. at you murderer thinking ahead <laughs> benson wants to know how this guy knows they're her cases she's like how did he get into my files what the fuck is going on craigen's like Well, when Peter Cradell's daughter was raped and murdered, there was a lot of national press coverage on it. So that could be how he knows about that. And Benson had maintained a personal relationship with Carmela and personal supervised visit with Clayton and his dad.
0: And these other cops in this little
1: meeting are like, God, why did you care about them, Olivia? I know. It was so weird. She's like, my fucking job doesn't end when we get catch the guy. And they're always pumped when she's fucking like connected to whatever. Fuck off. And then Huang's like, dude, chill. no one's blaming you. And first of all, yes, they are. <laughs> I literally said Absolutely. respectfully,
0: Dr. Huang, it sounds like they are.
1: That's literally yeah. what they're saying.
0: They're like, why did you do this, Olivia? And Dr. Huang's like, no, 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 no nobody's saying that and now you're gaslighting yeah.
1: her yes and she's like y'all think i led these people to the guy that murdered them
0: Mm-hmm.
1: toots is like maybe it's an ex-con potassium chloride is a death throw cocktail and the dude used police restraints on the three victims so could be that
0: i like how he's like maybe it's an ex-con and i'm like maybe it's a cop
1: i know yeah craigen wants munch and toots to look into recently released cons who have a serious hatred for benson and he wants benson sailor to quote follow the money
0: okay so now we're at the bank The bank lady that they're talking to has a sharp ass pencil skirt and blazer and the voice of someone that I want to read out loud to me. Benson and Stabler find out the account associated with the business hadn't been used in a while and they want the bank to pull the canceled checks and freeze the account. They want to check the canceled checks for fingerprints, but all they have Hmm. at the bank right now are photocopies. Stabler tells this bank lady that they don't fully identify that if there's any activity to hold the check and call the FBI task force. So they wrap that up. The detectives leave the bank and are walking and talking across the street. Benson's Mm -hmm. pissed that Stabler's sending the checks to the fbi she doesn't want her evidence to go to them so that the fbi can just dole out the information whenever they feel like it because that's what they do mm-hmm. Stabler's like well they have a better lab so that's what we should be using and benson's mad and feeling weird because her name was on the door obviously and she doesn't want shit to get all wild Stabler again is like hey there's only two teams the cops and the perps and we're on the same team as the feds I'm like since when are you Of all people, Mm -hmm. a team player, Stabler. Right. He's like, come on, Benson. Get on board. I'm shortstop. You're first base. Everybody (laughs) else is all the other positions. Like, (laughs) shut up. (sighs) Benson gets a phone call and they get out of there. Turns out Clayton's father is in the tombs on a drunken disorderly charge.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So they're going to go over there. Yes, they are. (laughs) Yes, they are. Now we're at the tombs. This actor has been in a ton of shit. He was in The Hangover, Shameless, This Is Us, Law and Order regular. As Clayton's dad, he's like not believing that his son's dead. He blames Benson for her son getting raped in that group home because she, quote unquote, took Clayton from him. He's not willing to talk to them.
1: He's like, oh, he told you he fell off his bike. And she's like, dude, he didn't have a bike. You're a shitty dad. You hit your kid. Right. And he didn't have any food. He's like, oh, wherever. <laughs> oh, okay, so now we're around the street doing a walk and talk with Stabler and Benson. Stabler's like pretty worried about Benson, obviously. Yeah. There's a phone call. They got three ex-cons that were loud about getting even with Olivia. So now they got to go talk to those dudes.
0: After he gets off the phone, he's like, Craig and thinks that all three might have the resources to pull this off. This phone conversation was as long as every phone call combined in the first two seasons like it wasn't actually he's like yeah well what else did they say oh man okay all right see you later love you bye <laughs> whatever <laughs> and it was like a full front to back phone conversation
1: <laughs> hello i'm good how are you usually usually they just like open the cell phone like this and then slam it shut and they're like that was the president he invited us to dinner here's the dates and times he said it all they open the phone halfway like a little clamshell and they're like oh, yeah. Did you catch all that? I sure did. He opens
0: it like Richard Gere in Pretty Woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On the street. Um, <laughs>
1: Okay, so now Benson and Stabler are talking to this guy in a wheelchair named Junior. I loved this guy.
0: Um, This guy comes back in 2008 as another dude. Also, he's WeeBay from The Wire.
1: I loved him. Yeah, He said he didn't blame Benson for anything anymore. He was like, I was fucked up on crack and I'm and like, I don't do that shit anymore. He's like, all my friends are in jail or dead. And then fucking Stabler actually says this to a man in a wheelchair. He says, mm-hmm. you just spend your day in your chair watching the world go by. And I was like, damn, dude. Like, fucking damn. Yeah. Junior's like, I hang out with kids on the street hoping they won't follow in my footsteps. This dude's cool. I like him.
0: Right. Stabler's acting like people can't change their lives right you know what I mean Stabler you need a fucking three-day weekend dude
1: yeah and you need to like not talk to people like that who are you know what I mean like fuck you man yeah like that's so inappropriate and unnecessary <sighs> like this guy is fully yeah he's cooperating with you talking to you yeah and it's like so the only two choices this guy has in life is to hate Olivia or sit in a wheelchair and watch the world go by yeah like he can't do anything else you got him Staves. you fucking you told him oh anywho God thank God for that fat ass you proud of that stabler, <laughs> Dad <laughs> okay, so this guy says that Reverend Johnson will vouch for the work he does now, and I totally believe the dude, mm-hmm.
0: so yeah, I do too, and then fucking
1: <laughs> fucking stabler goes over, grabs his wheelchair, and jumps him out, walks off, <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, God. <laughs> he's like now we're done and slaps him on the face he did it emotionally he might as well do it physically munch and toots are harassing some dude sitting at a booth selling shit i love their back and forth shit when they're harassing somebody Mm -hmm. it's just great yeah they're a real abbott and costello those guys yeah so this guy remembers benson and he's like i hope she's dead This guy's awful. Yeah. So yes. apparently this fucking dude, ugh, he like raped his six-year-old niece. He's on those like castration shots or whatever. Benson showed up to his parole hearing and testified against him. And he hates her because he's like, I'm already taking the shots. Like, I don't got it.
0: He's like, yeah, I'm fat and gross now because I have to take these shots. And it's like, this is a real person who was like, I'll take that role, I guess. And they're like, you have to talk about how... What, how awful you look and he's like but this is
1: my face and this is he's like he's like look at my tits he like grabs his yeah he's like, I got my own rack and I'm like dude this dude isn't like that like jeez, no yeah, they, had, they had to find an actor who's like
0: it's like I always think about that when somebody plays the quote unquote like ugly person you know when they mm. and it's just like this is just how the person looks it's not like somebody put on a prosthetic whatever or you know change their appearance to To be unfortunate looking. They're like, hey, you're ugly enough to be in this role. Do you mind focusing on that as like a central part of your character? Great. Like, anyway, this guy's a piece of shit in the show, and that's what we're supposed to be focusing on. Uh,
1: Yeah, even though this guy was taking like castration shots or whatever, Benson showed up to his parole hearing and testified against him. So he hates her, Mm. but who cares? He's a piece of shit. This, This guy didn't do anything, and he's a loser.
0: Yeah, and he's like, what's gonna make you guys believe me? And Munch is like, a special kind of surgery.
1: Yeah. So now we're at Heaven Sent Flowers,
0: Sent play on Words.
1: Mhm. Benson and Stabler are, are there talking to the woman who's the owner. She's like, "What the hell do you want?" They want to talk to her husband, but they're divorced. This lady is pissed. She blames Benson for putting her husband Eric in prison for rape. So the thing is, eyewitnesses put him in jail, and they later DNA cleared him, but at the time, it wasn't available. And then I was like, I wonder how many people serve time for shit like this and are later cleared by DNA, especially people of color, you know? Yeah. So this guy was in prison, but when the DNA stuff came out, he was, like, falsely accused. Yeah. And so he got out. And she's like, I don't know where my fucking ex-husband is. Uh.
0: Shirley is not in one, not two, but three early season episodes of SVU. She plays Mm. Cindy Stocklash. Remember? In Bad Blood season two, she's a sex worker who is sleeping with the guy in the Edgar suit, the like shitty brother when he like piles out of the window and she's in the. Oh, yeah. The fucking the (laughs) wife of the brother who's who actually killed the the guy up on the roof drunk. And she's like, hangs out with this working girl, Cindy
1: Stocklash. (laughs) That's right. Oh, yeah. And she's like, don't hurt him. And he's like, shut up, bitch. (laughs) She's like trying to make sure the cops don't hurt him. And then he yells at her. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was her?
0: Yeah. She also plays Candy in the episode Hysteria in season one.
1: What was Hysteria again?
0: I don't remember that one. I remember Cindy Stocklash just because I really like saying that name in that voice.
1: <laughs> but... <laughs> Benson and Stabler on the street talking. Stabler wants to dump this lady's phone. He's like, I'm sure she's talking to her ex husband. Benson's super tired and wants to go home. And Stabler's like, super worried about her.
0: Yeah, he's like, You want to come for dinner? And she's like, No. He's
1: like, I'm going to drive out to wherever the shit he lives
0: to sit with your he's fucking kids. Can you hear these children your-
1: screaming? Can you hear these children screaming?
0: Oh, I thought you were talking about them at dinner. Oh, at fucking Stabler's house <laughs> trying to eat her chicken pieard, And she's like, oh, my God, these screaming
1: kids. Are they still <laughs> mad about that turtle in the fucking garbage disposal? Dickie, get over it. We're at Olivia's house. I love these little scenes where she's like sleeping. She's like a little angel and she's like sleeping mm-hmm. soundly. She's awakened by her door buzzer going off. It's like 430 in the morning. And I was like, oh, my God, is the dude there?
0: She's like, who is it?
1: No one answers. She starts going back to bed and the buzzing continues continues i'm like oh my god she grabs her gun and goes down the stairs
0: this is where i'm screaming at the tv going why don't you have a
1: doorman right she goes down gun drawn can you imagine like coming home at like 4:30, and there's this lady with a gun i don't know she goes down exits the building door shuts behind her there's a toothpick stuck on her door buzzer so that it would continue to buzz, and then I was like, "Oh my god, is there DNA on it?" But there's this big box outside from that Avilo, Avilo <laughs> a- a company, and then I'm like, "How is she not locked out?" And there's a fucking arm sticking out of the box, a
0: whole okay? ass arm, whole ass arm, a person sticking out of a a, a person sized box. Yeah. Next morning, cops are all there. They're in front of Benson's place. Olivia's just zoned out, staring at the body that's in broad daylight, not covered up or anything, on the fucking Mm -hmm. street. Mm -hmm. It's Clayton Derrick's father. Okay.
1: (gasps) The drunk guy that was like,
0: he fell off his
1: bike. Yeah.
0: Yes. The FBI guy is there, and so is Stabes. Mm -hmm. FBI trench coat wants Olivia off the case since it involves her, and she is not happy about it. Stabler finally, Stabler's and says my partner knows how to do her job finally Mm. even though like she shouldn't be on the case like she totally should not be on the case she's way too close to it but it's like the one time the one time he defends her is when it's like no she shouldn't do that he's like yeah she should yeah
1: like later when craigen's like i want her on the case i'm like what like you wanted people off of cases for less
0: yeah so the fbi dude jeffrey's
1: got fired yes you know like fucking a. okay go ahead
0: never forget (laughs) So this dude, this FBI dude wants... Olivia to have a protective detail and she's like look you're wasting your breath first of all I don't work for you second of all these victims are my cases and as Benson is giving it to this guy I'm laughing so fucking hard at Staves. he's got his lips pressed together super tight like um, where your chin gets all dimply like but kind of looking (laughs) off into space so Stabler's like maybe it is a good idea and Benson's sandwiched between these two dudes and she's like "All right, I'm fine Jesus Christ God Who bailed Clayton out of the tombs anyway? And according to the release form, it was her, Olivia. What?
1: Mm-hmm. Huh? No. She should absolutely be off the case and absolutely have protective detail. She's like, I'm yeah. not a victim. I'm like, you are. You're gonna be. So Benson and Stabler are at Lonnie's Bail Bonds. <laughs> they fucking bust in there and they want the paperwork on Clayton's dad. So to me, Lonnie looks like a rougher George Costanza, doesn't he? <laughs> He was just like, (laughs) I don't know. He just looked like fucking shit, like a shitty George Costanza, a shittier. Yeah, I was going to say George Costanza is kind of (laughs) shitty. He's kind of like a narcissist shithead. Okay, so some dude that went by Oliver Benson bailed him out.
0: Okay, he doesn't
1: remember what he looked like. And he didn't have ID um, because it was cash. And he says to her, sweetheart, I can't help you. And Olivia's pissed. And she says, sweetheart. All right, everybody out. Everybody she, out
0: now. and She's got that, um, when she, she gets pissed and she's got that, you have no idea, I could snap you like a fucking pretzel face. Mm-hmm. I could num-num-num you like a pretzel. <laughs> and George Costanza <laughs> pops in and he's like, these pretzels are making me thirsty! <laughs> 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 Um. Yeah, and she's like, "Sweetheart," and the detectives start kicking everyone out of the office, and she's like, "Everybody out now!" But then, like, they settle down because the guy starts spilling everything. Uh, he was in his late twenties, early thirties, white. The dude's got nothing beyond yeah. that.
1: We're in Craigan's office. FBI guy shows up. He wants Kragen to put Benson on a desk. The first three bodies were at their federally funded facility. The complaints will put a black mark on Craigan's files. Plus, duh, Benson is being stalked in his fucking... It's best. She isn't involved much. Put your ego aside. People are dying, Olivia. Blah, blah, blah.
0: Kim, people are dying.
1: (laughs) Craigan says, he's like, my mind's made up. I'm not taking her off the case. And I cannot believe it. Yeah. He's like, she's my best detective.
0: Right. The FBI guy responds by not breaking eye contact and exhaling really hard out of his nose.
1: <laughs> I would, too. I would be like, what is wrong with all these people? So the FBI dude is on his way out of Craig's office into the squad room, and he and Olivia like eyeball each other. Mm-hmm. She's looking at Craig and like, are you going to desk me? But he doesn't. He just gets back to work. So everybody's dumb. He wants <laughs> to know, <laughs> Craig wants to know if anyone has any hits on the flower lady's ex-husband, Eric Plummer, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is. Stabler says there was a forty-five minute call on her phone right after he and Benson left the flower store. The call was to Baseline Labs in Midtown.
0: The forty-five minute call in SVU time was
1: 0.2 seconds. Right. <laughs> it's like, it a clamshell.
0: <laughs> That's the sound of uh, a forty-five minute phone call.
1: Visual jokes work on a podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. I was thinking of like, how are we going to tell everybody that we were scrolling up? Like, how do? Oh, I'm
0: going to clip that, and I'm going to post it on Instagram. Can you?
1: Oh, because of the video. I'm taking video now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Like everybody has to see our lowbrow shit. (laughs) I'm scrolling up. (laughs) Toots points out that if Plumber works at the labs he might have access to potassium chloride and munch pipes in also the drug pavulon apparently the dude that killed clayton's dad made him suffer not like the other three that were like put down i mean that's basically what happened they were like euthanized yeah this guy saw clayton's dad as a perp and executed him like one in his mind you know Mm -hmm. so there was like a full two minutes where the guy was in horrible pain before he died which probably felt like ever the opposite of an svu phone call sorry (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah craigen tells benson stabler to check the employees at this baseline labs or whatever and then i was like why would you send olivia and stabler if this is the dude why would you send her there yeah this is crazy craigen's concerned about benson's safety but she's sure this guy wants her twisting not dead
0: and stabler's like you don't know that and benson's like yeah i do because it's working yeah why are you going there?
1: There's no reason. She No. Benson Sabler at Baseline Labs. This manager dude says he doesn't have an Eric Plummer working there. Benson shows him a picture of this plumber. Dude said it looks like this guy named Norman Weber who works there in insurance. He also goes to clients' homes and gets blood and urine samples for physicals.
0: Not mixed together. Have you <laughs> <laughs>
1: manager guy says plumber's got the upper west side today so this dude is like super concerned about hiring an ex-con and etc and he's like oh my god what? what we, we could lose our bond and aren't sure and stabler's like he's not a suspect or an ex-con have him call us asap
0: the last thing they want to do is tip him off you know
1: exactly Yeah.
0: So now we're in the squad room. Huang's looking through photos of the murder scene and the three victims. Benson walks in and he's like, hey, girl, just trying to think like a psychopath. What's up? (laughs) I think I was trying to lighten the mood with my notes. She's all, duh, he hates me now. So he kills people that I tried to help. And Huang's like, "Mm, how does that make you feel? And she's
1: like, don't shrink me. And he's like, that's all I know.
0: Huang says Huang says that he's interviewed some of the most dangerous psychopaths until he got complacent. He goes, I was interviewing a psychopath, but I missed him. Calculate how much time it would take him to kill me before the guards hit the door. And it was a close call. He has a very dangerous job, too. Yeah. Huang thinks that... The dude killed the three painlessly and posed them where it looked like they were comforting each other because they were miserable. Quang feels like the perp felt like he was freeing them. Like mm-hmm. he euthanized them. He identifies with them. He sees himself as your victim too, Olivia. What? Mm. They both hear Craig in the distance say, Mr. Plummer, right this way. Ma. So Plummer's there. It's Andy from Weed's.
1: Yep. Yeah. I couldn't um, remember his name. I was like, oh my God, it's in my head. I was like, it's the guy from that weed show. Yeah. I loved, okay. I loved him in that. Yeah. Me too. Plummer is there with that one rat faced smarmy lawyer, not the pickle eater one, the little dumb one that I hate. Yeah. He's saying that Plummer's there under duress and has been railroaded by SVU in the past.
0: And Cabot's like, that's premature. This is an ongoing investigation. As soon as we can clear him, Mr. Plummer can put this behind him. So Benson's walking up to them during this conversation. She's like four feet away. And the stupid lawyer goes, well, you'll understand if we insist on Detective Benson's absence. Fuck you. Like, you saw her. She was walking toward your face. She's cooler than I'd be. And she's like, I'm leaving. Her whole crew are waiting a few feet away. Like, they're her goddamn entourage. And she's like, let's blow this puke joint. And Munch is like, Johnson's, Finn Street. So Staves must have stayed behind because he's in a talking room now with the lawyer, plumber cabot and Cragen.
1: his lawyers say that Plummer spent seven years in prison for crimes he didn't commit and doesn't want any trouble sabler thinks he had time in prison to plan a revenge and then cabot's like dude you were given a fair trial Mm -hmm. he was convicted by a jury he wasn't personally picked out by detective benson right then this fucking Plumber pipes in and asks Cabot, he's like, have you ever, he asked Cabot, have you ever been arrested or spent time in prison? Mm -hmm. He's like, I was beaten, raped, and tortured. Please don't fucking dismiss what I went through by saying I had a fair trial, which is fucking true. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: She's just like wide-eyed staring at him. Can you imagine?
1: So he changed his name to feel safe and have a fresh start when he got out of prison. His lawyer hands Stabler Plummer's work records for the last two weeks and leaves. He's like, look, here's my shit.
0: Right. Well, because Stabler tries to checkmate him by being like, "Ooh, you work in a lab. You could like make this chemical and blah, blah, blah. And Plummer's like, I'm not a chemist. I don't know what that is. He seems exhausted. His lawyer seems really confident. After they leave, Kragen and Stabes both still like him for it. And Kragan wants them to see what they have on him at Sing Sing. He's like, seven years, he had to make a friend. So now we're at the bar. They're doing a lot more hang work this season. Mm -hmm. They're doing the same scene as they did last episode where they're like all hanging out in a bar. If they don't go to karaoke at some point, I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to the 2001 SVU writing and production (laughs) staff. Like, I want to see fucking Benson be like, you guys, I really appreciate all your support, but it's just like, this case is hard. This job is hard. Crazy. You know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... At the bar is Munch, Benson, and Toots, and they're all there slurping beers. Munch is pouring their beers, and this is a reverse orange juice situation. I get irrationally upset about this scene. So (laughs) Munch has got the pitcher. He fills a pint, and they're like talking the whole time. He fills a pint halfway He sets it down. You can't see it. It's behind Benson. He Mm -hmm. fills another pint halfway, hands it to Benson. A half a beer. There's not, there's like, there's like a half inch ahead on it. Just like a half a beer. Then he's filling another half pint. So first of all, this is some hack ass beer pouring. Like who's not paying attention to this? Okay. I'm so out of the moment because of this beer. Is Benson even in danger at this point? (laughs) munch is telling benson that he read Plummer's file no he gra- so he goes he goes to pour more beer but he's like behind benson's back again and they're talking and i'm like okay good he's at least filling up to the top that first beer that he poured no he pulls it away to like drink and talk and it's half a fucking beer whatever <laughs> nobody does that. that's not how
1: people drink <laughs> is this like is this my is this this is like my junk mail yeah <laughs> So Benson's like, I helped put an innocent man away with weak evidence. Mm-hmm. Like how many men have been clear lately with DNA? Oh. You know, and she's like, even one is too many. And she's not fucking wrong. Yeah. You know, exactly. So Benson starts fucking walking home and she like, hears somebody walking behind her. And it's funny because I'm like, it's fucking New York, but like, whatever, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, how am I not so- the only person on this New York street?
1: Yeah. She all of a sudden pulls out her gun and fucking points it at a dude and she's like why are you behind me in any way you know yeah. it's like he's he's like whoa i'm fbi it could have been yeah. anybody you know what i mean like it's fucking right. new york city it was insane right. i was like damn you need to i hope the safety's on you're she's fucking, on edge
0: though dude like she's, she's on edge, major yeah. edge and she's trying to pretend like she's not
1: okay here's the thing though is like police officers are trained right hmm Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't get to like be a trained police officer and be on edge and like pointing your gun at people.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. You know what I mean? You're not wrong. Okay. She's got her gun on the guy and the guy's like, oh, I'm FBI. They cut to across the street and mm-hmm. there stands Plummer. He like sees her see him. So he kind of sidles behind a <laughs> telephone pole or something and he's hiding like Bugs Bunny. He's like, You <laughs> see him still and he's like,
1: ooh. So she's she was she sees Plummer across the street. And she's like about to run over there. But the FBI stops her from running over their protective detail. Plummer's gone now mm-hmm. or just turned sideways or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so fucking Stabler ordered the detail and Benson's mm-hmm. hissed. Yeah. Okay.
0: I'm not mad at Stabler for that. She's tough guying this shit way too much. Like, we're only three seasons in, and this is the second instance where she's being stalked. You know what? She's just like, I'm used to this. This is part of my gig.
1: Yeah. So now we're at Stabler's house. Doorbell's ringing. Stabler is in this, like, looks like a really comfy robe that I want. He goes down to answer, which. Would you really show up at your. Whatever. Oh my
0: God. If I were Kathy, I'd be like,
1: Boundaries, Elliot. You need to talk to your partner. I would yeah, not if, be happy. If kids sleeping here. Like. Right. Yeah. So she's pissed and she's like, Only the Rat Squad does this kind of shit. And I'm like, You're fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. She's like, I deserve better. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fucking chill, dude. Chill okay. out. Then she says, If you can't trust your partner, it's time to get a new one and it fucking walks off. Yeah. Ooh. But. Did did you notice this? when? Oh, I sure did. You did, right? Oh, 100%. It was so blatant. Go ahead. Yeah, so it pans back to his face, but she comes back into the screen. I was like, oh, she came back to be like, and fuck you again or whatever. But she doesn't say it was like an editing thing.
0: If you look it up on, I don't know, IMDb or whatever, where they're like, fun facts, blooper this, whatever. It's on there where it's like, hey, there's this scene where you see her come back into frame and it looks like she's talking, but you don't hear her talking. So like Mm -hmm. I imagined her talking I'm like what would she say like hey can I use your bathroom super quick hey is (laughs) Marie making any sandwiches right now I'll take one easy on the tomatoes you know I only like like one tomato at a time
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's another instance of this in a little bit with munch too
0: I did not notice that
1: yeah I recorded both of them so Benson's in Cabot's office Benson's pissed and asking for a warrant and Cabot's like I'm not getting one like she's I'm not doing this she's like you didn't see him you probably didn't and she's like I think he overheard in the squad room where we were going, which of course he did, because fucking Munch was like, Flanagan's, First Street, or whatever the fuck. He like screamed it, and the guy yeah. was like right there. You even see him like look back, like he, you know. Yeah. Then Cabot's like, how, how much did you have to drink? And Olivia's like, Her face. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. She was like, Oh. Yeah fuck you. She's like, I wasn't drunk. Yeah, And we all know about her history with her mom and her mom being alcoholic and dying and stuff, so that had to fucking hurt.
0: I know, but Benson took that statement out of all of it personally. Like, this was a complete miscommunication because Cabot was sitting there listing off the things that the court would come back with. What about this? What about this? They would bring that up. The defense would immediately be like, well, how much did you have a drink? You know, maybe you right. didn't know you saw him. So like, no matter what, since she was coming out of a bar, that question would be brought up.
1: Right. So now Benson's in Craig's office and he's she's totally getting spanked. He's also willing to cut her some slack with what's going on. But he's pissed that she tried to get a search warrant without asking him first. Right. No one tries for search warrants unless dad says so. Period. <laughs> yeah. You can't just go to Cabot and be like, I'm going to search. Exactly. Warrant. No. But she's
0: like, I had to do something. I saw Plumber And Craig, and finally somebody validates her and goes, I don't doubt you, Olivia. Fucking thank Mm -hmm. you. Like, then she takes a deep breath.
1: Yeah. So then she's like, hey, I have some vacation time coming. She thinks she needs some distance and she's questioning her abilities. Mm -hmm. He tells her to take the time she needs... As of now. So now we're in the squad room. Benson's given stable with a cold shoulder and it's like super cute.
0: Yeah. She's just like going through <laughs> to grab her coat and leave. Uh-huh. Yeah. Craigan comes out and asks the rest of the gang if they checked in at Sing Sing about Plummer's history. Eric started a lot of fights as a strategy to get put in the hole where no one could get to him. And the only visitor he had was his ex-wife, even after the divorce. A murderer named Russell Williams was Plummer's cellmate. He was paroled but awaiting trial at Rikers for another murder, And Craigan thinks the dude will want a deal to spill the tea on Plumber, But if the Mm -hmm. DA has a strong case against him already, he probably won't let them give him a deal for info. And I'm like, isn't somebody who has so much to gain considered an unreliable
1: witness? Like, in the least? I know. Like, at least? I think in those situations, though, like, something has to pan out. Right. You know, you can't just, like, yeah. But you can. Stay tuned for my chaser. (laughs) So, (laughs) Uh, We're
0: in the office of the executive assistant, DA, and Cabot's in there. And the guy's like, nope. He's one of those old guys that talks like a 60 minutes journalist. Mm -hmm. He goes, a life is a life. Who are we to decide whose has more value?
1: I'm Walter Cronkite. Yeah, he definitely is from a different age of acting. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. He looked familiar, Um, too, and I couldn't. I didn't go into it, but
0: I stopped looking people up. The one guy who's probably got like really awesome. He was probably in Citizen Kane. And I'm like, yeah, anyway, this guy was like old and had like a fucking. He
1: like actually played the sled. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I was Rosebud.
0: (laughs) So Cabot threatens to show the DA photos of Clayton dead surrounded by corpses. What?
1: Oh, she's like, she's like, do you want me to fucking show the jury like pictures of like a dead young boy surrounded by corpses in a fucking corpse farm? Mm -hmm.
0: So Cabot suggests offering 12 and a half years to 25 years. They'll still have Russell Williams dead to rights. And the guy's like, okay, fine. He
1: caved so quick. I couldn't believe Mm. it he was just like and
0: this guy was already paroled on a different murder charge and then was back for another murder it's like can we just not with this guy
1: yeah right so now we're in sing sing cabot russell williams and his lawyer and that assistant walter cronkite da guy is there (laughs) yeah russell says what did plumber do to make you all grab your ankles the assistant da guy he's kind of a bad he's like a good actor but kind (laughs) of a bad actor he immediately was like this interview is over and slams his (laughs) hand down and like super dumb i just i could imagine Imagine cabot being like Ch- chill out like
0: when i was watching this i was here at abby's because again my internet but i was here at abby's like taking notes and watching the episode and i had the volume on and so like in this scene when he's like that's not really all abby was like jesus christ and then i had your notes here and was like <laughs> laughing super hard because you were like
1: he slams his hands dumbly on the table <laughs> So Russell stands up. He's like, Plummer had a thing for some female cop. So this is a
0: revelation. This guy is admitting that Plummer was obsessed with Olivia. And mm-hmm. they're like, OK, we believe you. And he's, he's like, do you need proof? So he's got these hand-delivered letters. And they went from him, Russell, to his wife, who then gave them to Plummer's wife. And Walter Cronkite's like, the old prison express avoids the warden censors. Oh. So if Plummer talked to Russell about Benson, what do you think he said to his Mm ex-wife? Back to the flower shop. Whoop. But first, we're at the home of Eric Plummer. Mm-hmm. Stabler, Toots, and Munch are searching the house. Stabler found a couple dozen letters to Plummer's ex-wife at her house. So there's so much shit there that they have enough to charge Plummer's ex-wife as an accessory. Mm. There's newspaper clippings of Benson with Vicks and photos. Stabler had left a message on Benson's machine because this is her collar and she should be here. Okay, again, she shouldn't be there. She should be... Mm-mm.
1: Taking her clean. time off.
0: Toots finds a box of meds under a tile in the kitchen oh obviously Mm -hmm. it's going to be what they're looking for potassium chloride and they got to go pick them up what if it was just Mm -hmm. like liquid
1: viagra like how did you realize that that tile was look at this loose tile among all these other tiles and he's the one that found it not any like the forensic people there whatever (laughs) like we've searched high and low whoa i just tripped what was it on a loose tile in the kitchen (laughs) Oh, you searched everywhere. Did you check the tiles? <laughs> Did you jiggle each one? <laughs> Did you jiggle the tiles?
0: <laughs> okay, so now they're gonna go pick up plumber.
1: Stabler's at Baseline Labs. This manager dude, he's pissed. He walks in. He's like, "What the?" heck? He like throws his arms up. <laughs> Benson was here earlier and threatened me with obstruction. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, he's like Zoyberg. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> please threaten me with obstruction. <laughs> <laughs> Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> whatever he does <laughs> <laughs> he gave her norman's whereabouts so she would leave mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god no right. like <sighs> she is trying to do this like secret copping thing yeah but she shouldn't Ugh. so Benson's on the street outside of a building she's buzzed in she's about to knock on the door when she hears gunshots from inside the apartment she's such a good actor by the way
0: i know like her
1: reaction to the gunshots i was like marishka I fucking love I'm living for the Instagram where they're like whispering to each other.
0: Oh, my God. Yes. These ASMR fucking teaser
1: messages that they're doing. He's they're like, Marsha, just- Marsha, I'm at a barbecue. <laughs> they're just
0: like trolling us. And everyone It's you know what they're doing? They're getting you. us to lean in. They're getting us to mm-hmm. lean in. And I am nose pressed against the screen. Fucking. <laughs> Into
1: it, <laughs> so she calls nine one one.
0: What a time for a resurgence!
1: Okay, go. God, I know. So she calls nine one one. You know, and she's like, "I'm here." Blah blah blah. Suddenly, the door opens, and this like curly haired woman is at gunpoint with like a disembodied hand. This lady had hard art teacher vibes, but keep mm-hmm. going. She had like one of those like a stone, like a, not a like a I don't know like crystal. One of those
0: long necklaces, like oh, it's Jerry Garcia in a pouch. You. <laughs> <Ew. laughs> remember from fucking what's that movie with those guys butter stuff (laughs) butter stuff what is the movie called oh my god oh people are screaming fuck you fuck you fuck you you're cool um
1: oh that where everybody's high the whole time Um,
0: yes i can't even think of anybody's chappelle chappelle's in it fucking
1: that one guy from snl harlan
0: williams is in it benedict cumberbatch i cannot believe i can't remember that guy's name uh i saw that shit in theater oh my god so did i what is that movie called um i want to talk to samson what the fuck is that movie called hold on i have to google it. it's gonna drive me nuts oh this is embarrassing butternuts butter stuff Harlan williams no yes it will find it i believe in you google half-baked
1: that's it yeah <laughs>
0: jesus okay I keep going
1: Okay, hold on. We got the important shit out of the way. Keep going. (laughs) So this fucking lady... One of her arms is being held by a hand and there's a gun at her head. You can't see the person, but she's like crying. And she's like, he says for, you have to come in. And she's like, I can't I like I won't I can't come in. Yeah. And she's like, he won't hurt you. It's not you like it's not you that he wants. And I was like, um, this guy can hear you. You know, he's just, he's an arm's length away. Right. The woman says he knew you were coming. He says to tell you that they didn't suffer, but I won't be so lucky and starts crying. And then his guy like pulls her behind these like velvet curtains. <laughs> She's screaming. So Olivia's like, "I'm coming in." Right. <laughs> Even though she was like, "I'm not coming in." She sees Plummer. It's obviously him. Olivia's yeah. like, "This is between me and you. Like, let this lady go." And he says, "How does it feel, detective, to have your credibility shattered and your life in ruins?" And Benson's like, "It sucks." <laughs> <laughs>
0: this woman standing there thinking she's got a gun to her head and benson's like it it blows dicks man i really she's like
1: who are these people (laughs) he says he was innocent and benson says i know but then you killed four innocent people yeah and dude says three innocent one was a child abuser i thought you cops were about facts he says that he chose the three because they were suffering and needed their misery to end benson says she's sorry for what happened but she can't change it but she can testify for him on his behalf. He laughs and he's like, there was not going to be a trial. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, is he going to kill himself? Oh, my God. Benson begs him to let the lady go and to talk about this. She is shaking in her, like while her gun is pointed at him. Yeah. Like she's shaking really hard. She's like, please, Mr. Plummer, like, don't think I won't. Like, shoot yeah. him, you know? And he says, Oh, I'm counting on it. So he's, I think he's like doing this like suicide by cop thing. Yeah. He starts pushing the lady on the ground, and Benson keeps telling him to drop the weapon. He says, There aren't any bullets in my gun. And you start to hear sirens. He makes a sudden move, and Benson shoots him twice in the chest. First of all, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not funny but it was hilarious first of all he crashes up against the wall yes sideways down on the bed and then down on the ground he boinged off the bed onto the he floor. Boinged. He, tasha i laughed so fucking hard so did i <laughs> oh god was like it was, arms
0: against his side he's like bang boing thud that was
1: <laughs> yeah right on his back it was he did too we did too much he did too <laughs> it was, much it was great
0: it was like and i don't know if it was like seeing him in a role because again he's andy from weeds and he was so funny in that role like all i saw was andy being stupid
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: (laughs) when really he's like i fucking nailed that that is exactly how someone would fall if they
1: were shot twice (laughs) (laughs) boy So Stabler munches and toots, and a ton of cops cops come in. Mm-hmm. Olivia's still pointing her gun, shocked kind of. Stabler like lowers the gun and like kind of takes it out of her hands and yeah, tells and her she's okay. Munch reaches around and hands her a pint glass half full of Bud Light. A <laughs> half. Have- A half, yeah. Uh, A fucking cop who literally looks like a 10-year-old in like a um, NYPD Halloween costume. He was adorable. (laughs) With this little mustache. And he's like,
0: I have a photo of him and I'm going to post it.
1: No, So this cop, yeah, the cop, the NYPD costume cop, he goes over to fucking dude's gun and it turns out it wasn't loaded. This dude was just fucking with her hard. He's like, these people, they don't believe anything that people say he's just proving he was proving a point so Benson is extra shocked Stabler's like let's get out of here I'll get your statement and she's like you leave me alone yeah this is a scene where you see Munch his mouth is moving but you can't hear anything
0: oh see I wasn't watching Munch
1: Mm. no well it's when they're in the doorway
0: Gabe's like can't they just do that all the time
1: I'm sending it to you right now I'm gonna have you watch it okay so now we're at Benson's house, she's in her PJs on the couch, it's fucking raining, she's contemplating shit, when her door knocks and her phone rings, and I'm like, does, does Stabler have a key to her front entrance? Which She, she doesn't have a doorman,
0: does. so who knows?
1: Like, he can get in, but she has to buzz herself in? I don't understand any of this. She's not answering, and then like a single tear rolls down her cheek and onto her beautiful lips. She cares She's pissed. So I know.
0: The final scene, we see Stabler walking away from her front door, like... Mm -hmm. best friends i hope they get past this i hope they make it
1: (laughs) i'm excited for this you've been like throwing teaser shit at me all week and i'm pumped
0: every time i'm like you just wait i'm like tasha don't but i can't help it (laughs) it's just this this case has had my attention for years and years and years and i've been looking for an excuse to be able to use it so today we're talking about the wrongfully convicted Mm. the case of the west memphis three is one of the most (gasps) publicized wrongful conviction cases in u.s history but
1: oh my Ah. god yes Mm -hmm. i have full body chills okay Okay, so like I was saying, this case is one of
0: the most publicized wrongful conviction cases in U.S. history. But I think it's important to note something, and Damien Eccles said it best. Quote, most people think that this case is something extraordinary spectacular in some sort of way and it's not people like burnett and fogelman the judge and the prosecutor that's an aside Mm -hmm. they thought they could make a name for themselves off this case but really they were dealing with three kids who were bottom of the barrel poor white trash that nobody's ever Mm going to ask another question about he thought they Mm -hmm. would say guilty this whole thing would be swept under the rug the state would kill me Jason and Jesse would spend the rest of their lives in prison. He would move up the political ladder. That's all he cared about. This case is nothing out of the ordinary. This happens all the time.
1: Oh, I fucking love that guy. Mm-hmm. I know. Hold on. I have, I have to take a sip of my beer. I'm excited.
0: Okay. I'm going to go over this list, but obviously the best documentaries to watch on this are the Paradise Lost documentaries, mm-hmm. as well as West of Memphis. Yeah. Yeah, trigger warning for anybody who's going in fresh into these documentaries. They show so much shit that I'll never really get out do. of my head. So yeah, on the evening of May third, 3- <gasps> on the evening of May third, Gabe Joyner was born. No,
1: oh my God, what year was
0: it? It was May fifth actually, and I just. <laughs> On the evening of May fifth that's 5th, two days
1: after my birthday.
0: <laughs> okay, we're not doing that with this. We're not. Okay. On the evening of May 5th, 1993, in the town of West Memphis, Arkansas, three friends, Stevie Branch, Christopher Byers, and Michael Moore, all eight years old, went out to play. At 7 p.m., Stevie's adoptive father, John Mark Byers, called the police to report the boys missing. The last anyone had seen them, the boys were playing outside, riding bikes and shit at about 6 30. Also reported was that Terry Hobbs, Stevie Branch's stepfather, had been calling for them to come home. That's all the information that was had. These boys just, like, were gone. So a search began the next afternoon, about 1.45 p.m., in the Robin Hood Hills behind the Blue Beacon truck wash along Interstate 40. A boy's shoe was found by junior patrol officer Steve Jones. It was floating in a drainage ditch not far from where they had last been seen, When Sergeant Mike Allen arrived, Jones went down into the murky knee-deep water to see what else he could find. In that mucky drainage ditch, he would find the bodies of the three Cub Scouts. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get terribly graphic because it's awful, awful, but I will say that if you don't want to hear this, skip ahead 15 or 30 seconds. All three boys had been stripped naked. The laces from their own shoes had been used to hog tie them. The coroner had determined Christopher died of multiple injuries. So did the other boys, but Stevie and Michael had also been drowned. Along Mm. with the brutal nature of the boys' death were injuries that pointed in a strange direction for police. They had bite marks on them, Christopher was covered in lacerations, and his genitals were mutilated. The police believed that this indicated the murder had been a part of the occult, like a fucking satanic ritualistic sacrifice.
1: Oh, God. Were any of them, I can't remember, were they like raped or anything.
0: Okay, so in Jesse's confession, he talks about them being raped. Like a lot he talks about it. It's it's like a huge part of his fabricated story, but there is zero evidence that any of them had any kind of um like sexual mm-hmm. trauma. It's now believed that it's very unlikely that they were sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it was part of the rumor mill. And it was also something that Jesse said, which he said it because it was part of the rumor mill. Mm -hmm. And they thought it was sexually motivated because of what happened to Christopher's penis and testicles. Mm -hmm. So here we are in the early nineties, satanic panic in the Bible belt, of the United States in a very conservative religious area. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm going to put my little thing in here. Have whatever beliefs you want. I don't judge you, but the role that a dominant religion plays in this case should be appalling to even the most conservative of Christians. Like that is mm-hmm. not how any of this works. And yet mm-hmm. that's how all of this worked. Mm-hmm. So that's how all of
1: it works still. yeah.
0: So the West Memphis PD was immediately in way over their heads. It's not a read. It's just a fact. Like they couldn't handle this shit. Now they were offered help, but they had their own like fucking skeletons going on where it's speculated that they didn't want like the state coming in because they were already being looked at for drug offenses and shit like within their...
1: Yeah. Gotta hate... Okay.
0: The records were terribly kept, not kept at all or lost lost. Mm-hmm. The crime scene was completely mismanaged. All in all, it was inaccurate and consistent and just terribly done, which doesn't bode well for anybody who's being investigated or for the justice of the victims. Mm-hmm. There are a few suspects early on, but chief investigator Gary Gitchell had such a fucking hard on for 18 year old Damien Eccles. Damien, he did not fit in with where he lived. He had long black hair. He was defiant of authority. He was fucking 18. He loved horror movies, heavy metal. Damien was also very interested in studying religions, all religions. This moment, he was especially interested in Wicca. So Mm -hmm. needless to say, mainstream Christianity was uncomfortable with him. Right. Police questioned him every day. They had no reason to believe that he was there. It's just that he was like the town weirdo. Yeah. And he just went ahead and worked with them, answering questions when they had them and then just going on about his day. And the thing that especially Jason and Damien would go on to say after this was, we were so naive. We did not realize that we're a a million percent innocent. There's no way we're going to get convicted of this. Damien would later say that not only had they asked him if he was aware or involved in any satanic cults, but also questioned him about what his favorite book of the Bible was. That is so fu- police. Yeah, this is not me trashing Why? Christianity or a community of believers or anything. But for that to be included in what puts someone
1: on trial for like mo- what is this? The-, the witch trials, where like
0: oh, that's a hundred percent. It's it's fucking Salem,
1: Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, and they're and religious questioning for police officers has no place at all in like no. the government in crime. In no right no.
0: So the way that Damien was targeted is such an injustice to the victims i can't even express it this happens so much when it's like oh this big giant case da, 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 and the three little boys get lost in it yeah during one of these interviews police took a polaroid of damien and at the time he's like yeah sure thing maybe it's just procedure or whatever
1: yeah he's like 18 he doesn't know shit
0: And he's kind of like, well, maybe they're just like getting all their ducks in a row. And this is just part of it. Police took that photo around the community asking people if they knew anything about this Satan worshiper.
1: Oh, my God. Putting
0: his image in people's heads. Right. Yeah. It was so leading and got them so much misinformation, which led to rumors about Damien, which led to those rumors being reported as fact. Mm -hmm. One being that Damien had body parts in a jar belonging to one of the boys found under his bed okay some dude said that damien made him levitate once you guys the police wrote this shit down like we are blowing the lid right off of this fucking harry potter shit you wouldn't look at that dude and be like he made you levitate okay okay
1: thank god it was probably like all grown-ups too just like grown-ass adults
0: grown-ass adults being like this is the devil's work and that's not me mocking it's a legit what they said
1: fucking hysteria fucking Yes.
0: Damien was also given a polygraph, and there's no evidence of this, but it was reported and has been reported that the polygraph showed deception when he was asked about the murders. There is zero record of this. Conveniently, a lot of this stuff was lost or didn't exist or was never taken down or followed up on. So, along with Damien, police were looking at his bud, 16-year-old Jason Baldwin. To say Jason had a glorious mullet would be an insult. Okay. (laughs) I just want to give it a moment it was like business in the front met Gala in the back okay oh my God I gotta Google it what's his name again Jason Baldwin business in the front fucking little mermaid Ariel in the back
1: <laughs> part of your world oh my God
0: and he was tiny he was such a kid
1: himself Wait, he's like oh. 16 right yeah Ugh, God I hate everything
0: do you see him? Do you see his amazing mullet? Oh, it's taking they all had mullets, like. but like Jesse's was kind of like a rat tail mullet. I wouldn't, con- <laughs> I wouldn't consider Damien's a mullet. It was just like a, like metal hair. Like kind of a
1: metal shag going on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Jason's was a full on glory
1: mullet. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Jason was really just on the radar with the cops because he was friends with Damien. They were like best buds. They hung out like every day. Mm-hmm. Then there's the third kid. Jesse Miss Kelly, who was 17 at the time and was so terribly used by investigators. Now, Jesse had a reported IQ of, I've seen between 72 and 76. You know, there's a, Different numbers that I've seen in a lot of different articles, but the number that he was at IQ wise was on the low end of borderline intellectual functioning, so Mm -hmm. just above where he would be considered intellectually disabled. Right, okay. As we know, and as experts would testify, people like Jesse process situations differently than you or I would. Mm -hmm. They tend to be more agreeable, may struggle to understand consequences, are more likely to process things in the very short term. So interrogating and getting a confession out of someone with that intellectual ability is fucked and you're not going to get something accurate Mm -hmm. um, especially when you're using interrogation tactics so Mm -hmm. jesse is very loosely connected to damien and jason he lived a few trailers down from jason but other than that didn't have a relationship with them they knew each other from school basically Mm -hmm. put a pin in those three all right enter victoria Mm -hmm. hutchinson Vicky. Okay. So Vicky lived near Jesse, and Jesse sometimes babysat for her eight-year-old son Aaron. Aaron was friends with Stevie, Christopher, and Michael, our three little boys. Mm-hmm. This is Vicky's only connection to the three teens. Okay, but she wanted to get involved. Vicky told police that she knew shit and would get more information from them. Like she was—I don't know—I don't know what her deal was. They bugged her trailer. And she convinced Jesse to bring Jason and Damien over to meet her. Vicky's like 30-something, so it was weird. Like, these are teenage boys. Yeah. But whatever. The boys agreed. They're like, okay, went over there with Jesse. They chit-chatted with her for like 15 minutes before leaving. And then over the course of the next couple weeks, Vicky would tell police that Damien drove her to some satanic meeting orgy in the woods but they left because she wasn't into it also that she and damien had a week-long affair at this time couple of things damien didn't know how to drive didn't own a car and the car that she described to the police didn't exist mm-hmm. her son aaron was also talking to the police so much of what these two said was brought into the courtroom spoiler alert Vicky and Aaron recanted absolutely everything that they told police and even said the police were feeding them information to repeat as fact. So Vicky okay. has since been interviewed with really intense regret. And she mm-hmm. also said that the police were threatening to take Aaron away from her if she didn't cooperate. Oh cooperate God. as in fully lie. Aaron went on to suffer great emotional and psychological distress after all was said and done. I mean, it fucked He was an eight-year-old kid.
1: Right. So the cops just had this, like, boner out for these three.
0: Gary fucking Gitchell. Yeah. Gary Gitchell was up to retire, and he mm-hmm. even said after the trial, I'm going out on a high note. Okay. Investigators Brian Ridge and fucking Gary Gitchell went and picked up Jesse Miss Kelly the third guy with the IQ of seventy two. Mm-hmm. They wanted to interview him, slash interrogation. Because of his minor right. status, they needed his dad to sign off for him to be questioned. No big deal. We just, you know, got some questions for him, da 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 da. He was then interrogated for like eleven or twelve hours. Mm-hmm. And of qu- he ended up confessing. Have you heard any of his interview? Any of I don't his think so. Interrogation. No. It is fucking heartbreaking. And any reasonable person who hears it, it's not even like, oh, I have this vantage point of it. All he's doing is repeating what they're saying. And not mm-hmm. only that, out of the entire time he was interrogated, there are thirty-four minutes of actual recorded interviewing. So. Mm. 11 or 12 hours. And there's 34 minutes of audio. They stopped multiple times to go over the details that they needed him to say. Mm -hmm. Very, very shortly after Jesse confessed, um, he recanted. He said he was intimidated, coerced, threatened, exhausted, and terrified. Yeah, but it was too late. Doesn't matter. Along with himself, he implicated Eccles and Baldwin in June of 1993. They were arrested with charges of capital murder, and the media dubbed them the West Memphis Three. Fucking A. Unimportant to anything at all, but you know how I love to paint a picture. Jesse mm-hmm. Kelly's defense attorney, Dan Stidham, would be played by Kevin Smith, and Jason's defense attorney, Paul Ford, would be played by Val Kilmer. Okay, yeah. Just just to, so you can see the courtroom. Just set the scene. <laughs> the defense in each case argued science and legality. They're like, this is, okay. l- there's like literally zero physical evidence connecting the three teens to the crime. Also, all three boys had alibis that went completely ignored. Jesse was actually at a wrestling match in a different town that night. He had teammates testify to it, as well as a sign-in sheet from the match with his fucking signature on it. Here heard a... Jennifer Bartlett told police that she had been on the phone with Damien and Jason that afternoon, that night, like off and on, you know, I mean, it's the early 90s. So it's like you're calling their house phone. Yeah. She said that she talked to Damien all the time. That night was no different. They took the report. This is before they're at trial. They took the report and didn't even use it. That didn't even get to court. She didn't even testify. They didn't oh, give weird. a shit if they had alibis. It's so fucked up. Not only that, but the number of people that lied under oath and have since recanted is fucking mind-blowing. So the two crucial ones being Vicki Hutchinson, who took her stories to the witness stand, recanted, mm-hmm. and 16-year-old yeah. Michael Carson. Carson testified in court under oath that while in a juvenile facility with Jason, Jason told him awful graphic shit that he did to the boys. He completely confessed to him, is what he mm-hmm. testified to. Jason's lawyer, Paul Ford, gets a phone call at some point from a drug and alcohol counselor. Mm-hmm. This guy's name's Danny Williams. Danny Williams was like, hey, I know this is fucked, but Jason didn't tell Michael that shit. I told him what was being said about the case. It was wrong of me as a counselor to have done that and this could cost me my job but i can't sit by while michael carson lies on the stand so williams also told the defense attorney that he was willing to testify and the judge said no he was like i know that this witness is lying for a fact the Mm -hmm. judge wouldn't let him testify why oh i hate the judge the judge was not being impartial right William Jones told the police that Damien had admitted to him drunk at a party that they had killed the boys. He ended up not testifying because he said he didn't want to lie under oath. So these guys were convicted. Miss Kelly was convicted on one count of first degree murder and two counts of second degree murder. He was sentenced to life plus 40 years. Eccles and Baldwin were both convicted of three counts of capital murder. Baldwin was sentenced to life in prison. Eccles was sentenced to death by lethal injection. It's talked about a lot that, like, Damien was the mastermind, the ringleader. And he also admittedly was like, fuck you guys in court. He even said himself, he's like, I didn't take it seriously because I didn't think that this was possible. Yeah. So this is the end to so many wrongful convictions. But not this one. (laughs) So I. I heard about the West Memphis Three. Take a little journey with me. It's 2004. These guys have been in prison for like 10 years. I was raging in emo and fucking pop punk shit. The earliest days of the internet. And I was on Alkaline Trio's website. Before mm-hmm. band websites were just like tour dates and links to their social media. It was like a full website of st- about us whatever. Um, right, and whatever. Yeah. And there was an entire chunk of their site dedicated to these three dudes wrongfully convicted and sitting in prison on death row. Okay. So after these dudes were sentenced, so this is when I was like looking at them, found the paradise lost documentary and was like, so mm-hmm. these three went on to experience a fucking living hell in prison.
1: Of course in prison,
0: they were sadistic child molesting kid killers, mm-hmm. the absolute bottom of the prison hierarchy, right? Multiple attempts were made to rectify this at one point. Paul Ford, Jason's attorney, Kevin Smith, found Mm -hmm. out that Judge David Burnett had met with the prosecution privately before the trial, which is a huge oh, no, she better don't Mm -hmm. like news that would get Jason a new trial. Another added layer of fuckery. This situation, they're like, oh, cool. This is an easy way to get a new trial. They had to bring it up before a judge to rule whether jason could get a new trial based on that super not legal shit happening
1: mm-hmm. the
0: fucking judge that would determine that if they could get a new trial was judge burnett the judge who fucked up right so he's all like no you can't get a new trial nothing you can do about it by so oh this judge God. is a piece of shit so judge burnett was the judge for all of the appeals all of the appeals beyond just this one and denied all of them. Jesse's conviction laid mostly on his confession. Jason's conviction laid mostly on Michael Carson's testimony and Damien's was on rumor and judgment. Yeah. Then Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sinofsky made Paradise Lost in 1996. Mm -hmm. After the success of the documentary, Joe said, quote, frankly, we went down thinking we were making a film about guilty teenagers, The press reports coming out of West Memphis, Arkansas, were as if this was an open and shut case. And the documentary Mm -hmm. made people go, wait, 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 wait. Right. Pretty soon, fucking Henry Rollins, Eddie Vedder, Johnny Depp, just like a slew of people with money and means to get money and influence and voices started putting in work to get these guys free. And it became the free the West Memphis Three movement. Mm-hmm. they got this attention if it wasn't for these guys making paradise lost damien would be dead and the other two would still be sitting in prison okay mm-hmm. Lori davis sees the documentary starts writing to damien they fall in love they get married in 1999 mm-hmm. she quits her job and focuses solely on damien jesse and jason's freedom so terry hobbs stevie's stepdad this mm-hmm. piece of shit Tries to sue Natalie Maines from the former Dixie Chicks, now the Chicks. She's a fucking queen. So Mm -hmm. she joined the cause in 2007 and had been sending out letters asking for funds. Like they needed a lot of money to do labs and get these guys in front of judges. Like you just need a lot of fucking money to do this shit, Mm -hmm. to get good legal representation, all of it. So in the letter, she had stated that DNA evidence that had finally been tested linked Terry Hobbs and not the West Memphis Three that were sitting in prison. Yeah, Terry tried to sue her for defamation. And in doing that, opened himself up to all kinds of shit. Okay. The number one thing being a deposition. So Mm -hmm. Terry Hobbs was deposed and did terribly when asked about his history of extreme violence, as well as his accounting for his whereabouts the day of the murder. So this is where I plug West of Memphis and that whole thing about turtles. Oh my God. I just can't even, (laughs) Uh, uh, there's, there's huge strides that were taken with all of these experts that, Wildlife actually contributed to a lot of their injuries post-mortem because Mm -hmm. there was these certain turtles and like the way their bite marks looked. And then compared to like where the boys were injured and everything else. In 93, it was a satanic ritual. But
1: Mm -hmm. right.
0: So Terry Hobbs was deposed. He did awful they didn't do this shit in the trial they didn't even take notes about questioning the parent the first Mm -hmm. person you should go to is the angry stepdad who beats the shit out of this kid and his mom you know two out of the three kids had stepdads that were physically abusive Mm -hmm. anyway so in west of memphis you get a full detailed account of the dna and the real possibility that terry hobbs is responsible Okay. OK, allegedly. I'm not saying that. I don't have Natalie Maines money, so I'm not saying that. Terry Hobbs lost his suit against Natalie Maines. Do you, you know which one she is, right? She's the little one that's yeah. like, fuck George Bush and whatever. And like, yeah. doesn't give a fuck. And I yeah. love it. So Terry Hobbs also had to pay her legal fees, which was like $18,000. <laughs> this is something interesting. Shortly after the convictions, Stevie's mom, Pam Hobbs, even said, and still to this day says she believes that Terry did it. <gasps>
1: Is she still with him?
0: Fuck no. She divorced him. But, okay, 2010. After a tireless campaign and 17 years, the state Supreme Court ruled that the new DNA evidence failed to connect Damien, Jesse, and Jason to the crime. Oh, my God. The court ruled that they would get the opportunity to present new evidence in attempt to prove their innocence. But... Yeah. During the waiting period before a decision would be made for a new trial, Damien's defense team proposed an Alford plea. It's extremely rare that they allow this, Mm -hmm. but basically it's a situation where the parties admit guilt, but they're not guilty. Right. So just a quick little snippet of history on the Alford plea. 1970 Supreme Court, Henry Alford was indicted for first degree murder, and he completely maintained his innocence, but knew the evidence against him would get him the death penalty. So when the judge Mm -hmm. asked if he wanted to plead guilty, Alfred said this, quote, I pleaded guilty on second degree murder because they said there is too much evidence, but I ain't shot no man, but I take the fault for the other man. We never had an argument in our life, and I just pleaded guilty because they said if I didn't, they would gas me for it. And that's all. I'm not guilty, but I plead guilty.
1: There was an uh, Alfred plea in the stairs. That one case. Remember the Staircase. the staircase? Yeah, he did that, too. -hmm. At the end.
0: Yeah. So, what sense does this make? Why would they feel that this was sufficient, right? Because they are deemed guilty by the court and admit to guilt, they can't sue anybody and make up for the 18 plus years of living hell that they just endured at the hands of that system. Okay. Mm. So, they can't go to civil court. They can't sue the city. They can't do any of that because technically they're guilty with time served 18 years. So because Jason and Damien were tried together, they both had to agree on the Alfred plea for either of them to be released. Immediately, Jason was super against it, but ultimately went for it because he said in a press conference following their release, quote, I did not want to take the deal from the get-go. However, they're trying to kill Damien. Like... As you're seeing all this and them fight and whatever, Damien is on a fucking ticking clock. Mm -hmm. They were released on August 19th, 2011. There's still a movement advocating and working toward justice for the three little boys. But as of this past summer, I think it was in July, information obtained by FOIA shows that nearly every bit of physical evidence in this case has been lost or destroyed. Oh,
1: my God. Oh, my God. All of it's awful.
0: Yeah. All of it's awful. Yeah, these guys got out of prison after 18 years. Right. Anyway, there's a few things that I've already said. West of Memphis documentary, Paradise Lost documentaries, three of them. And the other two obviously were follow ups to the first. But the first is just like, holy shit. Damien Echols wrote a book called Life After Death. And there's also another book about the case by Mara Leverett called Devil's Knot, which is super good. Mm -hmm. Check those out. So that's. That's the West Memphis 3. Boop. Boop. All right. Follow us on all social media at Pod. Check out our website, SVUPod.com. We got new merch on there. hmm Become a patron. We've got fucking bonus episodes. Thank you for supporting
1: us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah. We're new to the Patreon world, so we're like...
0: Uh... Hashtag little bit loud if you're a small podcast. We still got our same awesome pods that are continuing to kind of have our own little like hub community of podcasts. Munch my beds. Munch my beds. Oh my God. Munch my Benson. (laughs) Fuck my work life pod. uh, The Bottom Bible. Crime Country. Mm-hmm. so check out those podcasts and if you are a little podcast
1: hashtag a little bit loud yeah. next week we have um, season 3 episode 3 stolen when a baby is kidnapped from a grocery store detectives no. Benson and Stabler what? I just keep going oh when a baby is kidnapped from a grocery store detectives Benson and Stabler discover it is part of a black marketing of infants
0: no Kirstie Alley mm-hmm. you bitch <laughs> no that's a different thing All right. I gotta go. All right. Love
1: you. Bye. bye, 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 All right. Save the shit. Okay. Craigan wants Munch and Toots to look into recently released cons who have a serious hatred for Benson and he wants Benson Sailor to quote follow the money. Which I don't really know.
0: Well now we're at the bank. You don't know what that means?
1: Well no, now I do Yeah, I oh. just I forgot to scroll. Oh. I didn't scroll up to the bank part. <laughs> so this is the two fingers. Ew. What? I forgot to scroll up. <laughs> Gross. Gross. I forgot to scroll. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to scroll up through the <laughs> I I Hold on, I gotta get to some more coffee. Scroll up. <laughs> wait what did you say you have to what I gotta scroll up (laughs) what did you do I missed it (laughs) I gotta scroll (laughs) was a fish hook yeah yeah um
0: and Benson walks out of the door like an angry orderly Mm mm-hmm that was just for you. Nobody's yeah. gonna get that. Happy anniversary! It's so
1: it's happy anniversary. It's so weird because, like, right around this time of year, I'm I'm always thinking like, oh man, is it is it is it coming up? <laughs> like, I sh- I kind of want to put like last year. I think I was the one that reposted it, and then you yeah. got it first this year. Yeah. And I'm like, should I put it in my calendar to repeat every year? <laughs> But I like being surprised yeah, can we it's so fucking funny and it gets me every time
0: every the- time <laughs> it's and I always watch it a couple times when it pops up when me she's too like ow and he's like And his head kind of like flops to the side because <laughs> he yanks hard with the <laughs> other arm oh. <laughs>